The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Everyday Cannabis with host Eva Sativa. This groundbreaking podcast aims to clear the smoke on reefer madness by providing honest, open, and real cannabis talk with no sticks, no seeds, and no shame. Now, here's your host, Eva Sativa. Hello, and welcome to another episode of your favorite show about cannabis, brought to you exclusively by women who love it. I am so stoked to have everyone here today. We've got both co-hosts, Katie Ryder. Hello. (laughs) And Rebecca Gaska. Hello, hello. They're both here with me today, and we have another amazing guest. And I'm not just throwing around the word amazing. (laughs) I know there's a lot of people who say everything's amazing. They're like, oh, my God, that tortilla is amazing. That rug is amazing amazing like really you're you're amazed by carpet but um, <laughs> well, whatever that person is smoking <laughs> yeah right but this is truly an amazing individual who is very very deserving of that adjective so who is it well I'll let Rebecca do the introduction here because she's uh, very good friends with our, our guest today Thank you. So, yeah, I have the honor of introducing Dr. Dustin Sulak, who I met about a year and a half, almost two years ago, maybe, um, at a Patients Out of Time conference in Florida. And he just knocked my socks off. I mean, I had never even heard the word titration before. And the way he broke down what what it meant to to dose appropriately for a, a person and given their condition and and the type of effect they were trying to get for me was just so amazing. So Dustin, Dr. Sulak, is an integrative physician who emphasizes in osteopathy, energy medicine, mind-body medicine, and medical cannabis. He is the founder of Integrate Health. It's an integrative medicine center with three locations in New England that treats over 18,000 patients with medical cannabis. Whoa, 18,000. And, um, of course, Healer.com, which is an amazing educational and research portal for medical cannabis patients who are particularly interested in finding their optimal cannabis dosage. And um, his clinical practice focuses on treating refractory conditions in both adults and children with an individualized health-centered approach. I don't know how he sleeps or when he does because he's also got an amazing wife and two kids and he's just such a pleasure to speak with whenever I get the chance to see him speak at a conference. I'm there whenever I get to see him just one-on-one. I'm there. Um, So Dustin, Dr. Sulak, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you all for having me. It's great to be on the show. And now my family actually has three children. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. So thank you. You know, I'm a patient and um, I am a big fan of healer.com. I got turned on to it and I wish I'd gotten turned on to it earlier, uh, but I recommended it to all of the patients uh, when I was the dispensary manager and they got a lot of benefit out of it. And so in honor of your visit today, um, I did something that I've been putting off for way too long. And uh, I went on the website, which, by the way, it's just uh, it's so amazing to me that it's full of such great information that's totally free. Um, it, it's unbelievably valuable information. Uh, and it's like, I wish I had had this when I was trying to figure all of this out alone. But uh, I learned the secret breath. Uh, And as the site explains, this powerful secret can increase the effect of one inhalation of cannabis to that of five inhalations, or, you know, maybe more. Um, So you can save money by getting the same effects with less cannabis. This exercise is powerful and must be used with caution. (laughs) And so 
uh, you know, frankly, I've been wanting to check this out for my husband more than anything because uh, we have an ongoing uh, thing, an argument kind of, you know, just a thing where I tell him he doesn't have to inhale so hard that he coughs every time and has, you know, like a chronic cough. Uh, but he says, you know, oh, well, it doesn't work for him in any other way. Eva, what's that thing he says about it? He's got a saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, when I say something about him, he's like, you got to cough to get off. You know, that's his the excuse. And that's what uh, a lot of the, the guys I know, they do this too. Uh, you know, maybe Dr. Freud would have something to say about it, but we have Dr. Sulak today who is actually an expert on this and all things cannabis related. So I'm not going to give away the secret uh, breath. Uh, I'll let people go find out for themselves, but I will say it works. Uh, and I felt a little weird at first, but if you've ever done any type of meditation or pranayama breathing uh, or, you know, like in yoga, you'll get it in the first try. Uh, the great thing about it is that your flowers or vapes can last like approximately maybe five times or more longer. So that's an unbelievable savings. It, it seems wasteful not to do it now. Uh, but see, it really can help to make cannabis a viable alternative that is affordable because that's a really big issue. I couldn't afford it if I couldn't grow it. And that right may right go away in 2018. So I wanted to say, yay, a secret breath. And thanks to healer.com and Dr. Sulak for that free information. So uh, anyways, Dr. Sulak, this is Katie. Um, I saw you speak at the United Patients Group Conference in San Rafael earlier this year. Uh, you did a presentation on the endocannabinoid system. And that talk was pretty mind-blowing for me, as well as I think for the doctors who are in the audience there. Uh, But most of our listeners have not been to medical school. So I was wondering if you could give us and them just a quick lesson on Endocannabinoids 101. Sure, I'd love to. And even if the listeners have gone to medical school, they probably would know nothing about the endocannabinoid system. I think there's only one or two schools in the country that still uh, that are currently teaching this in their mainstream curriculum, even though we've known about the endocannabinoid system since the early 90s. So the, the term endocannabinoid system refers to a system of physiology that we all have in our bodies where we are producing cannabinoid molecules that have a function similar to THC. We're making these with our internal pharmacy all the time, and they're, um, these little molecules will fit into the so-called keyholes that we call cannabinoid receptors. There's cannabinoid receptors all over the body on almost every cell type. And when the key enters the keyhole, it causes some downstream effect in the cell, which is different for different types of cells. So cannabinoid receptors have certain functions in the nervous system and other functions in the liver and other functions in the bone and the connective tissue and so forth. But the the main thing that we are using our cannabinoid system to do is maintain balance at a cellular level. So whenever our physiologic activity falls out of balance, our bodies make cannabinoids to return us to balance. And this is why the endocannabinoid system is such a great target for therapeutics and why cannabis can treat so many different conditions. I think most of us lay people and clinicians alike would be, you know, really hesitant to believe that cannabis can help with psychiatric conditions and inflammatory conditions and uh, gastrointestinal conditions and neurologic conditions and so forth. There's just, you know, it, it seems like a snake oil, like it's too good to be true. But it really is true. And, and not only does cannabis help with all of these things, anyone who has any type of disease or injury is already using cannabinoids to try to heal from that. Um, I have a question. You know, are there some people that are just deficient in their endocannabinoid system, and and they're they're that's why they you know someone maybe like myself who has so many of the problems that cannabis addresses, uh, you know, could could my body be deficient and and unable to like make its own ingenuous cannabinoids? Is that a, a condition? 
Absolutely. I think um, so. Ethan Russo, who's um, probably the most prominent cannabis uh, researcher and author out there right now, he just released a paper this year on the topic of endocannabinoid deficiency. And his previous paper was in 2004, I believe. And so while it hasn't been clearly proven, we have a lot of evidence that different individuals have uh, changes or differences in their endocannabinoid system. So in their ability to produce cannabinoids, in their ability to use the cannabinoids, in their ability to break it down. Uh, some of these changes may be due to diet and lifestyle. Others may be due to uh, genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's really clear from animal studies that animals that have a compromised endocannabinoid system are more likely to be sick. They they don't live as long. They get more cancer. They don't, uh, you know, baby um, mice and rats that don't have uh, the CB1 receptor or the cannabinoid 1 receptor often don't even suckle and uh, they don't thrive as babies. So, th- so we know that blocking or impairing the endocannabinoid system is a bad idea. We also have a little bit of human evidence from a drug called Ramonabant that has mm-hmm. since been pulled from uh, the market. But this this drug blocks the cannabinoid receptors, and it was, or at least the CB1 receptor, and it was originally marketed to be an anti-munchy drug. And what, um, you know, what we found out, sadly, is that not only was it blocking people's appetite, but it was also blocking their ability to be happy and causing uh, a lot of depression and even suicidality. Uh, so, so we know that blocking the system isn't a good idea. Augmenting and supplementing the system is a good idea. And the primary uh, candidates for endocannabinoid deficiency diseases are things like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, chronic migraine, even infant colic and irritable bowel syndrome. So these all, are th- all, all things I have. That's why yeah. it seems like I'm right here. <laughs> I'm sorry to cut you off there, but um, I think we're going to have to go to a quick break here. Um, but we will be right back with Dr. Sulak, who I'm already learning so much from. Uh, his website is healer.com, H E A. L-E-R.com, and it's got tons of free, helpful, trustworthy, and reliable information that's helped, you know, probably tens of thousands of people already. We are live tweeting, as usual, uh, Eva Sativa 775 That's my Instagram handle, too. So send us your questions, your comments. Follow us and join in on the conversation. We love our listeners, and we love to hear your feedback and questions. We aren't here to do this for our own sake. We're here. We're doing this to be here for you. So please let us know what you'd like to hear. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Cannabis is your passion, and you've worked hard to build your business. But the industry is evolving. Every day, new regulations make it harder to stay competitive. At Greenlight Drafts, we think compliance should make it easier. Our operations, plans, policies, and procedures can help your business comply with complicated and time-consuming requirements. While cannabis may be your passion, ours is compliance. Call us today at 844-GRN-LGHT. That's 844-GRN-LGHT. Or visit us online at Greenlight Drafts. Do you want your business to change the world? At Pistol and Stigma, we know that the most successful organizations add holistic value to their communities. Our government and community relations professionals use methods that encourage social impact and accountability to develop your mission-driven work. Find out how at PistolandStigma.com or contact us at 1-844-476-5448. That's 1-844-476-5448. Pistol and Stigma, connecting people to policy and you to your community. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Everyday Cannabis. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Eva at everydaycannabisradio.com. 
That's Eva at everydaycannabisradio.com. Now, back to the show. Hello, hello. We are back. It's me, Eva Sativa, Katie, and Rebecca today with a very special guest, Dr. Sulak. And uh, we're going to talk about an issue that is very, very important to me personally uh, because I've uh, lived through it and it's it's part of, well, it's the, one of the main reasons that I do what I do. Um, so I wanted to thank you, Dr. Sulak, personally, for not just for coming on the show, but for wanting to speak out about something that is, uh, it's my number one passion at, because it's a hugely important issue. And you talking about it lends enormous credibility. And that is cannabis as an adjunct or alternative to opiates. And the ongoing epidemic that's created a situation where in cannabis users are basically treated like criminals. And also those with legitimately prescribed pain meds are treated like criminals. Um, you know, I've been riding that pain management roller coaster for many years. Uh, opiates, NSAIDs, muscle relaxers, uh, invasive surgical procedures, including a cervical epidural that uh, ended up being a wet poke, a fail. And I was, you know, leaking cerebral spinal fluid. Uh, later, that doctor <laughs> himself was arrested for his own opiate abuse and writing himself fake scripts. Um, you know, I was told I needed back surgery, uh, spinal fusion, um, until they looked on the MRI and realized there was a, a large tumor pressing on my spine. And, and as you guys know, I woke up during that surgery and everything pretty much went downhill from there for quite a long time. And I've always struggled with the opiates. Uh, tolerance and addiction to them. I'm not ashamed of that anymore. It is a predictable outcome when you take physically addictive drugs that build a tolerance and you're in severe pain uh, and take them for long periods of time. Cannabis is the only thing that was able to help me and enabled me to stop taking about 25 different medications that I was taking, you know, and I, I went to a support group once. Then the counselor said the odds for opiate addicts are that like one out of every 10 will make it and will survive. And the rest will die from their addiction. And, you know, he was right because uh, there are only two people left from that group, just me and one other person, sadly. So, Dr. Shulok, can you tell us what has caused this nationwide opioid epidemic? Well, I think we can blame the epidemic on Number one, the nature of opioids, which are great treatments for acute pain and post-surgical pain and end-of-life pain, but really poor treatments for chronic pain. And we know this. It's, it's been really clearly shown in the literature that over time, people with chronic pain who take opioids are likely to develop tolerance, need more, have serious side effects, and in the end, have worse pain. So that's that's one factor. And then the other major factor is that doctors don't have an alternative. Mm-hmm. So they're they're using a drug to treat chronic pain because they they're they're using opioid drugs in that way because there's really nothing else they have that's very effective. Sure, you know, sometimes antidepressants and anti seizure medications and anti inflammatory medications have some benefit, but when it really comes down to getting people back to functioning, getting them back to work, getting them able to participate in life. Uh, the antidepressants and other um, other classes of drugs just don't work yes, that you, well. Yeah, uh, that's been my experience because um, I, I did try that myself and, and was bedridden essentially uh, for three years um, uh, before I finally gave in. And t- well, the first year I didn't take any narcotics once I got off of them out of the hospital and tried some of those things and, and holistic therapies. I mean, anything you could think of, all of the off-label medications. And uh, and one of them actually uh, is is way worse to try and get off of than the opiates, you know, and, and you don't, they don't, they don't tell you that. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, that nobody, uh, you know, nobody, offers the cannabis as a first choice and and it's something that addresses all of those issues and so uh, but, the, you know the what? problem isn't heroin i just want to jump in when we're talking about the cause of the problem it, the, the problem really does start in the doctor's office about 80 percent of heroin users 
first we're using prescription opioids, you know, and, and currently there's still about double the rate of opioid abuse on pills compared to heroin and, and almost double the number of deaths each year related to pills compared to heroin. So heroin's kind of uh, the cheaper alternative and uh, the scapegoat and, and certainly um, more risky in some situations. But this this is really a problem that begins with doctors and pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how bad? How bad is it? I mean, is how bad of an epidemic is this, and and how um, entrenched in the you know healthcare system is this model of treating pain? So, um, as far as deaths go, which is probably the worst outcome, we're talking on average 44 people in this country every day dying from painkiller overdose. When you add heroin into that, it goes up to uh, the 70s, you know, 70-some people every day. We've got 7,000 emergency room visits every day. Um, and, and our usage as a country of opioids is just far beyond anywhere else in the world. So we have less than 5% of the world's population, but we consume about 80% of the world's opioid supply. Wow. That's just accurate. Yes. So so in, in 2010, there were enough opioids legally prescribed and dispensed to treat every single adult American for a whole month with five milligrams of hydrocodone every four hours. Wow. That's, Staggering! That's unbelievable. There must be some insane infographics out there. I had no idea that those numbers were so big. Um, maybe there's some on healer.com. I don't know. Um, but I, Dr. Sulek, like, why, why, why does cannabis help so much? I mean, you know, we've heard for so many years that cannabis or marijuana is um, is a gateway drug, right? But what we're actually seeing is that it, in many ways, is an exit drug. But, but why? A great question. So to begin with, it's effective for treating underlying conditions. You know, whether someone's using opioids for pain or whether they're abusing it for some other reason, they're suffering. They have some underlying condition that may be pain or PTSD or addiction or depression or anxiety, whatever it, whatever it may be. There's some suffering there that cannabis has a potential to relieve. Again, because it works in the body in so many different ways to restore balance and to empower one's healing system. So that's that's the first way it helps is it treats the underlying cause of the problem. But beyond that, cannabis and opioids work really well together. You can certainly use cannabis as a substitute for opioids, but I think what I've seen clinically and uh, what some of the research is now showing that's so powerful is that by adding cannabis uh, to people that are already taking opioids, we see some uh, drastic effects. And I'm happy to cover the, the main points if you'd like me to. Yes, I would. And I, I, I wanted to say, you know, that has been my experience, too, not just as uh, myself, but in speaking with patients. Um they are able to take way less of the narcotic medication, and when they do, you know, have to take something, it lasts for a much longer time, uh, yep. and and it's and it, it you get more benefit out of it. So, uh, you know, it's it's you don't have to take so much. Uh, That's it's right. It's great. Yeah. So, so, and that's the first point is that the the two the pain relief from opioids and cannabinoids work together synergistically. So there's a greater than additive effect. If you were to take a dose of cannabis that say reduced your pain by thirty percent, and you were to take a dose of morphine that reduced your pain by thirty percent, uh, if you take those together, you might have a pain reduction of ninety percent. It's it's greater than additive, and that alone is an incredible property for what we call an opioid sparing effect. When you add cannabis to the opioids, people start breaking their pills in half because they simply feel too strong. But that's that's not the end of the story, that's actually just the beginning. And that's so wonderful uh, because before that, it, it generally would happen, you know, you take the, the pill for a while and then you develop a tolerance and, it, you know, then you have to take more and more and more and more and more. And, and cannabis allows you to take less and less and less and less. And eventually, uh, for some people, they don't need it at all. 
uh, you know, or for me, you know, someone like me, um, you know, maybe every like once in a very blue moon for just a, a, a you know, a, a attack or something. But um, it, it, it has been, I've seen it before my eyes. And then the people, you know, uh, when you, when you live in the world of opiates, uh, you, your whole life revolves around it. So it's really freeing you from a prison, um, uh, the prison of always having to live by when is your next prescription, when 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 do you take your next pill because you're worried that you're going to be in pain. And often uh, they keep, you know, you, you, you're medicated just enough so you're, just, you're on, like, kind of not suffering. But the cannabis actually helps enough to make you feel good and better, not just kind of just grinning and barely making it. So you can have a job and you can be a productive member of society. Agreed. And I've heard that so many times, people referring to their opioid dependence as a prison. That's a that's a really common descriptor. And I, I do believe that cannabis helps people feel liberated from that prison, even if they continue to use the opioids. Yes, it is very liberating. And uh and I'm so so grateful for that. I mean, that's it saved my life, and I I, I think it has the potential to save those 44 people a day, <laughs> you know. Um, and so it's it's great to have people like you coming out and speaking about this and letting people know that this is a real thing. <laughs> so we have to break for a moment again, and we'll be right back with more from Dr. Sulak. Um, why don't you check out healer.com while you wait? Try the secret breath or any of the videos or protocols and, and let us know how it goes because there is something for everyone there. From your new users to your everyday cons- uh, consumers, there is content there that you will definitely enjoy. You are listening to Everyday Cannabis with Eva Sativa and after these messages, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Cannabis is your passion, and you've worked hard to build your business. But the industry is evolving. Every day, new regulations make it harder to stay competitive. At Greenlight Drafts, we think compliance should make it easier. Our operations, plans, policies, and procedures can help your business comply with complicated and time-consuming requirements. While cannabis may be your passion, ours is compliance. Call us today at 844-GRN-LGHT. That's 844-GRN-LGHT. Or visit us online at Greenlight Drafts. Do you want your business to change the world? At Pistol and Stigma, we know that the most successful organizations add holistic value to their communities. Our government and community relations professionals use methods that encourage social impact and accountability to develop your mission-driven work. Find out how at PistolandStigma.com or contact us at 1-844-476-5448. That's 1-844-476-5448. Pistol and Stigma, connecting people to policy and you to your community. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Everyday Cannabis. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Eva at EverydayCannabisRadio.com. That's Eva at EverydayCannabisRadio.com. Now, back to the show. Hello, hello. We are back. We can hear with Dr. Sulak. So let's dive right in uh, into it. I don't want to waste any any time. I really want to clear something up for once and for all. Uh, as a patient and an advocate for patients, I, I can tell you most pain management doctors that I have talked to or have gone to uh, will not allow you to use both narcotics and cannabis, even if it allows you to take less of the narcotics and reduce the dosage or uh, if they, they, you know you say I want to wean off the opiates while trying cannabis, and they, they're like, uh-uh. 
to to find out if it will even you know work for them. They they, they don't feel comfortable with that sometimes um, because they do not know and and they don't want to be liable for the ramifications they say of combining those two things. So please uh, answer this question: Is it safe to use cannabis and opioids together? The answer may surprise you, Eva. It's actually safer to use cannabinoids and opioids together than it is to use the opioids by themselves. What? And that's, wow. it's, it's absolutely safer. And that's, that's because of um, something in medicine that we call the therapeutic window, which is the space between the dose that will help you with your symptoms and the dose that will hurt you, either cause intolerable side effects or death. And so with opioids, that therapeutic window is actually quite small. The dose of morphine that might relieve your pain, uh, 10 times that dose could potentially kill you. So you've got, you've got a narrow therapeutic window there. When you add cannabis to the opioids, you are significantly reducing the minimal effective dose, which opens the window up. But the cannabis does not change the dose of the opioids that will kill you. And that's because of uh, some, uh, some miracle in our design. We have cannabinoid receptors everywhere in the body except for the areas of the brain that control our heart rate and our respiration. And that's how opioids kill people. When you take too much of them, they stimulate those areas in the brain or actually suppress those areas in the brain. And we end up with slow breathing, slow heart rate, and, and people die. And, and so you get this widening of the window. You get a reduction in the minimal effective dose, but a stable lethal dose. And that's a much safer place for people to live uh, when, they're, when they're using cannabis and opioids together. So what you described happening in pain clinics is uh, really unfortunate. It's harming a lot of people. And just the whole, um, the whole notion of having patients sign a pain contract and making them adhere to specific rules doesn't really help patients. And this, this has been studied. It basically makes it easier for pain doctors to kick people out of their practices, but there's no real benefit to the patient. And, and now it's archaic and actually out, outdated. So in March of this year, the National Center for Disease Control released new guidelines for doctors to help them prescribe opioids in a less harmful way when treating chronic pain. And in those guidelines, it actually, for the first time, the federal government has acknowledged that cannabis and opioids could safely be used together. Now, I'll read this quote quickly. It says, um, this, this is in the section that talks about urine drug testing. It mm -hmm. says, clinicians should not test for substances for which results would not affect patient management or for which implications for patient management are unclear. For example, experts noted that there might be uncertainty about the clinical implications of a positive urine drug test for THC. So they're not coming out and saying, yes, use them together, but they're, what they're basically saying is don't test for THC, or if you do test for THC, don't pay too much attention to those results because uh, it, it may not affect uh, your patient in a negative way. And what, what we know clearly is that it has a positive effect for patients. It's, it's helping them decrease their dosage, and it's also stabilizing their dosage, as you mentioned, Eva. I'm so glad that you brought up that pain contract because I was going to talk about that too. Um, I know that uh, once, you know, at least in Florida and Nevada, that if you are chronically ill and your prognosis is nothing more can be done for you but manage your pain, they require you to go to a pain management doctor uh, and they will require you to sign a contract uh, agreeing that they may dismiss you with no obligation of continuance of care if you violate it. Meaning, you know, we can dump you and, uh, you know, not, not help you, you know, you're on your own. Um, and testing positive for THC is one of them. Uh, and um, another one of the terms is to, you know, use the same pharmacy, which is virtually impossible because they stock less and less of the medication. And uh, it, often it takes people, I, I hear, a full day to just go around from one pharmacy to another to find medicine to fill it. So, you know, basically what they set up here is a way that they can dump a patient anytime they want without any continuance of care. Um, so they, they have no meds and they have to go to the streets um, or a methadone clinic or try, you know, and I think that obviously that's how this whole heroin epidemic in areas where, you know, you would never expect it has happened. Um, 
That's right. And a big part of the problem is that the is again inherent in the opioid treatment. So the patient comes back and says, Doc, that this dose is not working anymore. I've built tolerance to it. I need more. And the doctor looks at them and thinks, Wow, if I give them more, it's probably gonna hurt them, but what else can I do right now? This person says they need to go to work or they need to go to school, they need to manage their lives. So they write a, a script for more. But once that happens several times, it's really hard for the doctor to do anything for that patient. And they say, Well, your dose is escalating, this isn't working, you know, we're gonna stop abruptly or we're going to kick you out of the practice. And that you're exactly right, Eva, that's where this problem starts and why people go to the streets for pills and heroin. So when I was in my residency training, we had a lot of people that were using opioids, and I I experienced firsthand what it's like to be that clinician who's prescribing more and more. And then I also had a handful of patients that were clearly different from the rest. They would come back month after month wanting the same low dose of opioids, say five milligrams of oxycodone three times a day. And looking at their charts, they might have been on that dose for years or even decades without ever asking for more. And so I became curious about this cohort of patients and started asking them, you know, what are you doing differently that the rest of my patients aren't doing? How come this low dose is still working for you? And invariably, the answer I would get is cannabis. Quite often, they'd pull it right out of their pocket and show it to me, so proud (laughs) that they had, you know, that they had figured out the solution to this challenge that so many other people were suffering with. And that, that really has been proven Uh, at least in animal studies, that when we give cannabis with opioids, the the rodents don't build tolerance to the opioids. And, And in fact, in some studies, they become even more sensitive to the opioids. Their number of opioid receptors goes up instead of down. And so that's, you know, that really changed my perspective because before I was pretty black and white and I thought opioids are good for acute pain and they're bad for chronic pain. And if you're using them for chronic pain, it's going to make you worse. But now I see that when you use opioids with cannabis and not in everyone, but in a lot of people, that combination can work really well and provide treatment efficacy over years or decades. Wow, this is so interesting and and very different than sort of the evidence that's kind of been presented, A, about opioids and B, about cannabis, right? So then what is it? Why do you think that doctors are so afraid of cannabis, which can obviously help so much um, when people are dying? And why are doctors so reticent? Is it just you know, because they technically can't prescribe it and under state law can only recommend it? Is it um, a liability issue? Is it lack of education? Is it all of the above? Well, I think there's a lot of factors, but to begin with, cannabis is a strange medicine for doctors. It's a plant instead of a pill. And, um, you know, that's something that most clinicians never received in their training, you know, anything about how to use botanicals. And then furthermore, using cannabis is quite different. There's so many different delivery methods and the the effective dosing range is incredibly broad and now there's all these different types of cannabis so it's a pretty steep learning curve for a lot of clinicians that have never been exposed to this before but I, I promise you that when they get wind of this scientific information they are very interested and I love seeing you know them light up at uh, pain conferences and other uh, medical conferences uh, where they haven't heard of this before and it just makes so much sense and the science is there. The research has been done. So it's not a theory. It's A lot of this has been really clearly proven. Uh, so we're ripe for a change in the medical system. It's At this point, it's just about disseminating the information. Yeah. Every time I've gone out and spoken to, you know, groups of, of doctors or nurses, um, you know, they've been open-minded and wanting to learn, but they're, they've generally been under the impression that there is no research out there yet and there's they haven't done any research but there's been more research um done on i believe on cannabis than most fda approved drugs at this point (laughs) that's right there's actually been quite a bit more research on cannabis as a treatment for chronic pain than there has been on opioids as a treatment for chronic pain 
<laughs> and I know that's hard to believe, even though it's the standard of care. But a, a study from last year in the Annals of Internal Medicine uh, found, and I'll quote this, evidence is insufficient to determine the effectiveness of long-term opioid therapy for improving chronic pain and function. It actually hasn't even been studied. <laughs> so, yeah, I, th- I think it's important for people to know that, um, that, the, that there, there have been studies, a lot of them, and more than there have been for a lot of the drugs that are out there now, uh, the new ones and, and especially. So uh, that's a fallacy. It's a myth. Um, it, it does look like we have to take a, a to stop and take a little break here. Um, but if you enjoy what you've been listening to, uh, and are interested in, in advertising um, on Everyday Cannabis or becoming a sponsor or a guest, have a product for us to review or something exciting to talk about, please contact us. And uh, definitely go to healer.com. Check out what you find. There's something there for everyone, and it's free information, which is just so cool. And Dr. Sulak has a great way of presenting it um, where you're your, as you are your own healer, and I love that. So we will be right back. Toke up and stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Cannabis is your passion, and you've worked hard to build your business. But the industry is evolving. Every day, new regulations make it harder to stay competitive. At Greenlight Drafts, we think compliance should make it easier. Our operations, plans, policies, and procedures can help your business comply with complicated and time-consuming requirements. While cannabis may be your passion, ours is compliance. Call us today at 844-GRN-LGHT. That's 844-GRN-LGHT. Or visit us online at Greenlight Drafts. Do you want your business to change the world? At Pistol and Stigma, we know that the most successful organizations add holistic value to their communities. Our government and community relations professionals use methods that encourage social impact and accountability to develop your mission-driven work. Find out how at PistolandStigma.com or contact us at 1-844-476-5448. That's 1-844-476-5448. Pistol and Stigma, connecting people to policy and you to your community. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Everyday Cannabis. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Eva at EverydayCannabisRadio.com. That's Eva at EverydayCannabisRadio.com. Now, back to the show. And we're back for our final segment of today's Amazing show. Yeah. You're here with me, Eva Sativa, Rebecca Gaska, Katie Ryder, and of course, Boris and the Pug Thugs. And our special guest today, Dr. Sulak of Healer.com, who is one of the most experienced doctors worldwide on the benefits of cannabis and how to use it correctly to achieve your goals uh, and your health and wellness goals as they relate to the endocannabinoid system. Uh, remember, you can live tweet questions for any of us. Uh, this is your last chance. So my handle is Eva Sativa seven seven five. Is there something that you want to know, uh, but had no one to ask? Now's your chance. All okay. right. Well, it looks like we do have a listener question. Uh, this is from Becky in Kansas, and she says, "When it comes to seizures." Does each person have a particular CBD to THC magic ratio they have to find, or is there a good place to start? 
That's a great question, and um, the answer is very individualized. And I say that because most of my experience working with seizure patients has been uh, the most severe cases in medicine. These are the pediatric cases that are really um, unresponsive to numerous conventional treatments. And so um, we like to figure out what cannabinoids are working, usually by starting with one at a time. Uh, and the main candidates are CBD, THC, and THCA. The THCA, or the uh, acidic raw form of THC, in my practice has uh, given us some really incredible anti-seizure results at very low dosages. So in the end, it's usually some combination of um, two or three of those agents that's uh, going to help the most and also treat some of the other symptoms a person may have, like spasticity or cognitive issues or sleep issues. Um, but I've also seen all of those cannabinoids rarely make seizures worse in certain patients. So before just giving a combination uh, treatment, I usually start with generally one at a time. And, um, you know, I want to tease out how much it's working and if there is a potential um, exacerbation or worsening of the seizures or any other side effects. And now when I say we're using one at a time, we never really have one at a time. But some of these formulas could be very dominant, say, in CBD and have very low levels of THC. But it's always in the context of a whole plant. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we got that question. I, I have a seizure disorder uh, as well, as well. In addition to all this, the other things, uh, but I, I've uh, been having a lot of hiccups lately um, with uh, it, it just not working out very well, and um, so I'm trying to figure out for myself how to medicate for the seizures. Yeah, and uh, and I I find it's. You know, I use a lot of THC, but uh, I don't know yet that I don't know that either. And so I'm trying to learn that protocol. Um, and not not just for yourself, Eva, but also for matzah too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So my pug, um, so I, I have a service dog and uh, CBD ha- had cured his demodex mange, um, which, you know, is an immune system disorder. And uh, matzah ball, my pug, who's he just turned 15. He's, he's a pretty old guy. He's just started having seizures. And um, that's a common, common problem for pugs. And so I started giving him CBD uh, dog treats and rubbing a little bit of CBD oil um, on his belly. It's like a lotion and just on his ears and stuff. And and I did that for a few days and and he stopped having seizures now. So uh, it's working for him. (laughs) It's working for him. So I'm happy. Um, I guess uh, my my situation is a little more difficult. So, uh, you know, I'm guessing a little more CBD. So uh, another question I had for you. I'm wondering what your thoughts are about the about the whole plant therapy versus isolating just THC and CBD, you know, and giving people that, or creating synthetic versions of things like Marinol and uh, you know Sativex and stuff uh, by the pharmaceutical industry. I, I I really like whole plant therapy, but you know maybe there there's something you prefer. You know, I think there's a place for both. And in general, I suspect we'll always see better effects, you know, greater efficacy with the whole plant extract. But I think having, you know, preparations that are really individual substances could be helpful for, first of all, understanding, you know, what what these substances are doing in very sensitive individuals and also for, you know, research purposes. Uh, I mean, there, there's a very small subset of my patient population that really can't tolerate THC, even at very low doses. And when they get a whole plant extract of CBD that has very small doses of THC in it, they do fine. So it's, um, you know, even, I, I guess I'm, I'm making the point that there's room for full plant extracts to treat just about anyone. And, and we can achieve that, you know, thanks to the great work of the growers and breeders. Uh, but I still think that having uh, some synthetic cannabinoids will be useful in certain patients. Cool. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I've seen some of our extraction people coming up with all kinds of cool products. Um, 
like that are pills, uh, you know, but they're, they're, they're just, they're not synthetic. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Um, so uh, it looks like we're, we're nearing the end of the show here and I, I'm feeling pretty sad because it's been really great to talk to you. Uh, if someone wanted to become your, your patient or wanted to contact you, how could they do that? Well, the, the information on healer.com was really my effort to make it so everyone could feel like they're my patient because we were just getting too many uh, requests and I wanted to uh, make this information available to everyone, patients and clinicians. At my practice, which is called Integrate Health, we do offer uh, over the phone and video chat uh, educational consults for people that are out of state. But of course, if you can make it up to Maine, uh, to see us, that's that's preferred. We we give great clinical visits. My current practice right now is limited to uh, pediatrics and other really uh, sensitive and uh, severe cases, but uh, we I work with some wonderful colleagues that take care of uh, every age and every condition. That's great. And uh, healer.com, yeah, it is really. I mean, you you're basically basically getting all the information that you need right there. And uh, I, I only wish that I had discovered it, you know, in 2012. <laughs> so uh, uh, I guess we're going to have to close up the show. Um, and there was so much more I wanted to talk about. So maybe we, we can be blessed by your presence again someday. Um, that's our show for this week, folks. So thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Dr. Sulak, for everything that you do. You are truly amazing. Remember to hit us up with questions, listeners, and tune in next week for another episode. Our archive shows are available on voiceamerica.com, as well as iTunes, Google Play, Kindle, really any podcast station. So until then, keep your minds and your hearts open. Be the change that you want to see in the world. And remember, karma's not a bitch unless you are. Namaste. (laughs) Smell you later. Thank you for tuning in to Everyday Cannabis. Please join Eva Sativa for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, no sticks, no seeds, no shame. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit VoiceAmerica.com. the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.